This is Behind the Curtain of Country Music with Philip Gibbons. Now here's Philip with today's guest. My guest today is radio television personality Keith Bilbrey. Keith, a Cookville, Tennessee native, is a former WSM radio personality, WSM television personality, and a former Grand Ole Opry announcer. Keith, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thank you, Philip. Uh, I like that. That was a nice introduction, too. <laughs> I appreciate that. There's so much that I, I could say and will say. It all started for you at WHUB Radio in Cookville. Keith, when did you realize that radio television was something that you wanted to pursue? Maybe at an early age you discovered that? Uh, you know, I don't even remember. It, it's been so far back. I I just always had a fascination with the, with the, with the radio. As a kid, I used to listen and imagine what all the announcers uh, look like, and, and as you know, when you see them, you're in for a surprise. You know? <laughs> for sure. I, if I had to pinpoint one specific moment when I said, this is what I want to do, it's, it's really kind of strange. I went to Parkview School. That was where I was in elementary school. Right. And one day I was in the in the gym slash auditorium, uh, and they were setting it up for uh, uh, some sort of assembly meeting. And I remember we had this uh, 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 janitor custodian named Mr. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Mr. Vaughn was setting up the microphone, <laughs> and he was standing there going, test, one, two, three, one, two, three. And I said, Mr. Vaughn, could I do that? And he said, well, sure. And he handed the microphone over to me, and I did it. And I just, I love that. That's the fact I could talk into this little stick, and my voice would go. I don't even know what grade I was in at that point, but it was elementary school. And it seems like from that point on, that's what I wanted to do, you know? And you haven't put that microphone down yet. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I expect I'll die with a microphone in my hand somewhere. <laughs> now, would you say that working at WSM and the Grand Ole Opry, was that your ultimate goal from the beginning, Keith? It really was. I, there were three things I wanted to do. I wanted to be on WSM. I wanted to announce the Grand Ole Opry. And I wanted to get into television, preferably on Channel 4. And I was able to accomplish more of that and more. So I'm a person who has really lived his dream. I remember one time, I, I uh, before I was even able to, to drive, old enough to drive, I had to go to the doctor or something. Anyway, my mom called uh, Ellis Cab Company. You, re- you may remember Ellis Cab Company. Uh, vaguely. Square. <laughs> and there was an old man named Vanderbilt Ellis that came and picked me up. He owned the cab company, and he was asking me, I said, well, son, what do you want to do when you get, get big? He said, I said, well, I, I want to I be on uh, WSM, and I want to announce on the Grand Ole Opera. He says, well, you know what? I think you're going to do it. <laughs> I guess there was just something in my voice that said, yeah, I'm determined. I'm going to do this. I used to ride around with the when I was at WHUB. I, there wasn't anything else to do when I got off, and I, I rode around with the police. Yeah, and uh, a lot of friends on the police force and the sheriff's office. And I remember I was riding with Ron Henley one night, <laughs> and uh, Ron uh, Ron, uh, Ron says uh, we were we were just talking. We were listening to the Grand Ole Opry, and I said, Ron, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on that someday. And he said, my thought was, yeah, and I'm going to be J. Edgar Hoover someday. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> he take you seriously. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the very first time that you stepped behind the microphone at the Grand Ole Opry? Oh, I'll never forget it. Yeah, I was scared to death. Back up. When I was 12 years old, we went to the Grand Ole Opry for the first time. Yeah. 
And I don't know how many times I had, you know, been in the back seat of my mom and dad's car, and we'd listen to the grand. That's what we did on sure. Friday and Saturday night, sure. especially if we were on the road. And I just had in my mind exactly what Grant Turner looked like. You know? <laughs> and when I was 12 years old, we went to the Opry. It was still at the Ryman. I can tell you exactly where I sat. And the curtain goes up, and there's this there's this guy standing there at the microphone talking like Grant Turner, but that can't be yeah, him. You said there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember running downstairs and standing below him, you know, and, and looking up at the podium. And he looks like, are you sure you're Grant Turner? <laughs> it's not the way I had what? you pictured. <laughs> I'm surprised security didn't come and get me because I was standing there like, who is this guy? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, Skip, uh, many many years forward, and uh, they had invited me to come down and and just do a, a guest shot. I, I didn't know that they were you know looking at me to to be a permanent announcer. I just you know I just took opportunities as I gave I got them. Mm-hmm. And I was standing there before I went on. Harold Hensley uh, was kind of my mentor, and he was kind of guiding me through it. And and I I, sh- I should have been dead giveaway because Bud Wendell was there, who was the head of National Life and and uh, all the broadcast properties and all that stuff at the time. And Bud was standing there, and uh, I went over to him, and I said, Mr. Wendell, I'll buy you several drinks if you'll run up to the Nashville Palace till I get through this portion. (laughs) (laughs) I was scared. He said, oh, you'll do just fine. (laughs) And uh, I remember going out there, and, boy, I tell you, it's kind of a blur to me now, but, you know, when you first hear... Your voice go out over the Grand Ole Opry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you've had that experience. You know what that's like. Exactly. It's it's surreal. Yeah. It's it's an incredible moment. And well, let's rewind a little bit. What was the first job when when you left Cookville? When you left WHUB and you ended up at WSM? I know at one time you did some weather on the Ralph Emery show. Do you remember the first job that you had at WSM? Yeah, I was sweeping the floor. No, I was yeah. <laughs> But I had been at WHUB for six years. I yeah. started when I was uh, when I was sixteen, and uh, I had been bugging the folks at WSM for some time to give me a job. You know, I just yeah, I, I, you know, I was a young kid. I didn't know enough to be scared, and uh, I, I had contacted Elmer Alley in particular. He was program director at Channel Four at the time, and uh, I just worried Elmer to death. He's He's told me and, uh, since then. He said, you were the most persistent applicant I ever had. About once a week, I'd call him. And I remember his secretary, Brenda Jordan, who became a dear friend of mine. And, and <laughs> Brenda would answer the phone and say, Elmer, it's Keith Bilbrey. You want to talk to him? And you know the thing about it, Elmer, he would pick up the phone and talk to him. Really? You know? And uh, he, was a, he was a dear man and gave me my first shot at television. But anyway, he... Uh, I had bugged him so much. He finally took my audition tape, uh, hand-delivered it to Dave Overton, yeah. who was program director at WSMF, <laughs> and said, uh, Dave, I hear you've got an opening. Would you give this guy a job? He is worrying me to death. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dave gave me a call, and, and I said, sure. Well, of course, Dave Overton was one of my heroes. Of course. Know? I'd grown up uh, listening to him and listening to him on the opera and watching him on the 5 o'clock hop. And... Uh, he said, when can you start? I said, whenever you need me. He said, well, don't you think you ought to give Stacy Mott and the folks at WHUB a little notice? Oh, it'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> they won't mind it. Well, I think, I think you better give them a couple of weeks' notice. <laughs> so uh, I immediately went to the radio station and told them. Now, what I didn't know and didn't find out for years later is, uh, bless their hearts, those people 
at WHUV, knew Bud Wendell well, that got that been in the cable business with him and and behind the scenes they knew how badly i wanted to do that right and they had been they had been talking with bud <laughs> bud had called them about the reference and all that and they had been very kind as to recommend me and and uh, i didn't find that out till years later but there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes <laughs> that you didn't know about you know. exactly yeah <laughs> and i'm sure that they they helped me a lot in, in landing that job well, you've met some interesting folks throughout your career at WSM and the Grand Ole Opry. Who's probably the most interesting person that you ever met or interviewed? Boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> you've met so many, I'm sure that's a tough one. Well, the thing of it is, Nashville was, and to some degree still is, don't seem like we have them as much as we used to, but there were some real characters in this town. Definitely. You know? uh, people that, that, that just was hanging around them was entertaining. Uh, Captain Midnight, Roger Scutt, was the radio personality and later worked for Waylon Jennings and uh, Tom Paul Glazer. And I used to hang out with Roger. Roger was kind of my contact. When I'd come to Nashville, yeah. I'd go pick him. He didn't have a car, so I'd go pick him up and we'd go places. And there was there was no door closed to Roger Scutt. Everybody knew him. and <laughs> I, I learned a lot just hanging around Roger. And... Uh, there was just, ah, uh, gosh, picking one character out. Cowboy Jack Clement. I love Cowboy. Okay. Uh, sure. John Hartford was a dear friend and, and just one of those people. You just seem like you learn something every time you were around him. Guy Clark. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of the folks at the opera. Bill Carlisle. What a character. Jumping Bill Carlisle. <laughs> yeah. I asked him one time, I said, Bill, when did you get into show business? He said, ever since they came out with it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your relationship and your friendship with Ernest Tubb. Ernest was a hero of mine from a very young age. And uh, I got an opportunity through Harold Hensley. This was before I was an opera announcer. And back then it was kind of a it was kind of a stepping stone to be an opera announcer was to do the Midnight Jamboree first and mm -hmm. Harold decided to give that up and, and wanted me to try out for it. So so I did, and of course, I mean, just to meet Ernest was was a big thrill for me. I'd met him before, but to actually get to work with him, uh, he was just what you call an all-time hero of mine, and <laughs> I'll never forget that first night on the Midnight Jamboree. Uh, <laughs> I got there, and uh, first the first thing they did was uh, Ernest was in his office and uh, was sitting there talking on the phone, and they just, uh, I think it was David McCormick, met me, and he said, well, I want you to go in and and meet with Mr. Tubb, so he put me in this room, and there was Ernest talking on the phone, and here I sat, and it's like, wow, I'm sitting in the presence of Ernest Tubb. <laughs> Larger <laughs> than got life. Off the phone, and we, and we uh, talked, and he just, I mean, he knew all about me. He was very interested in me. Uh, uh, you know, he, he was that kind of person. He made you feel right at home, right from the start. And I'll never forget the first the first time, you know, he would always open the show. Uh, well, actually, when he closed the show, he would always do his little closing announcement, be better to your neighbors, and you'll have better neighbors, don't you? Mm -hmm. And they'd go into walking the floor, and he'd sing a verse, and then he'd say, get us out of here, Grant, or get us out of here, Harold. Well, we got to that part, and he said, get us out of here, Keith. <laughs> and I froze. <laughs> it's like... Huh? Like I said <laughs> and I look at him, and he looks back at me like, is there a problem? And I said, 
Oh, you've been listening to the Midnight Skipper. <laughs> it just kind of took my breath for a moment. Sure, you know? exactly, but exactly. He he became a, a dear friend, and we worked together many years. Of course, then he he got ill and and had to go off the road and had to quit the jamboree. But even though he wasn't there, he was always listening. Now you were also close with George and Nancy Jones. I bet you've got some possum stories. <laughs> oh, George some you and could Nancy tell, was, some you couldn't tell. Oh, they they were so good to me. You know, I just I there's so many people that I give credit to for for helping me along, and certainly George and Nancy. Uh, one of them, the first time I met George Jones, this was before Nancy. He was backstage at the Opry, and he looked so bad. I was at the height of his. Uh, drug abuse and all that right and it, it just broke my heart I, I thought you know i mean he he looked like he wouldn't live two more weeks you know he was just awful mm-hmm. uh, his eyes were sucking back in his head and just real skinny and he acted like he didn't even know where he was and uh, boy it just just really worked on me and of course that went on for a while but finally nancy came along and and and, and they just took a liking to me even back when they when they were down in Texas, they'd come to town, and, and uh, I'd visit with them. And then when they moved here, I, I you know, I was I was with them quite a bit, mm-hmm. and would go over and, and watch a western or watch a football game. With George <laughs> asked him one time, he said, "What's your favorite team?" Well, whoever I got money on this week. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree? Uh, I think he was partial to the Cowboys. Yes, I think so. Would you agree that Nancy helped extend his life, or did she actually save his life at a period when oh, things looked bleak there, for him? There's no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. Uh, she kept him on the straight and narrow, and, you know, he went from no-show Jones to, boy, you can count on Jones to be here. Exactly. And, uh, I, I just I give her so much credit for extending his life, and really – kind of giving him a whole new career. George has been through about three or four careers, you know? Exactly. And she uh, took care of his money and, you know, a lot of things that uh, George, George just had a lot of demons. And he told me one time, he said, Keith, I wish I could go back and apologize to everybody I ever did wrong because of my drinking. He said, those folks that I I didn't show up for, he said, "I, I just wish I could meet them all and tell them how sorry I am. So George was had a great heart. I've always said I wish everybody could know the George Jones I knew. Mm-hmm. He was such a kind and generous person, and he he was a lot like Nancy. He just had trouble expressing it, you know, exactly. getting it out. Keith, I hope at some point you put all of your memories and stories in a book where we could read and <laughs> and enjoy. You <laughs> well, had an I'm interesting career. To. Yeah, I I really have. I've been a very blessed man, Philip. You you know that. Absolutely. I, it just you know, you and I both are living a dream, and uh, I, I know it was a big dream of yours to come and announce on the Grand sure. Ole Opry. And you betcha. Was I with you the first night you did? Yes, that? you were. I, you, I thought I was. You yeah, I you, you absolutely weren't, and I know that I was shaking in my boots or shoes or whatever I was wearing. Oh, but you did great. Well, I appreciate you that. Did great. Thank you so very much. Now, Keith, I've never heard you play, but somebody told me that you were a musician yourself. Any truth to that, Keith? Well, I come from a very musical family. I knew that. A lot of people know my dad, Leo Bilbrey, you played bet. around. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I played. I've played guitar since I was about twelve years old, and pedal steel, and. Now, did you ever bass, pl- but there's just four four strings on the bass, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> did you ever play on the Opry? 
Uh, you know, I don't think I have. I played on the Opry stage. Okay. Not on the Opry. No, they they wouldn't go that far. Now I tell you, <laughs> one 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 thing that's really special happened one night is uh, that we had a family reunion up at uh, Hidden Hollow, Artie Lee's place one time, and my right. cousin brought my grandfather's old banjo, and I took it down the, and they fixed it up for me, and Mike Snyder played it on the Opry. Excellent. And that that was quite a thrill. Now, now, all my family came down, and they played my dad's old, my granddad's old banjo, and it, that was something else. That was a special time, no doubt. Now, yes, tell, tell us about some of the projects that you're involved with now. I know you're the announcer on several different shows. Kind of bring us up to date on where you are and where we can see and hear you. Well, uh, yeah, it seems like I feel like I'm all over the place. <laughs> uh, of course, we do Larry's Country Diner, which is on RFD-TV. Uh-huh. And uh, they just started, first of the year, uh, rerunning a lot of the old Opry Live shows I did. They call it Opry Encore now. Mm. But uh, I, I, it's interesting to see some of those old tapes and watch my hairstyle change <laughs> and <laughs> my waistline change. <laughs> but, uh, of course, Larry's Country Diner's in, what, in its sixth or seventh season. And, okay. And it's just done real well, and, and I appreciate that very much. And uh, I'm also involved in Music City Roots. I've been with them for several years now. That's every Wednesday night at the factory at Franklin. And uh, Jim Lauderdale and I host that. And then uh, that show is also taped for PBS, which is seen on Channel 22 there. Yes, in Channel 8 here in Nashville. And uh, our sister show is Bluegrass Underground. I go down there and do that sometimes. Excellent. And I've got another show uh, that shows on several different networks called Reflections, where I just sit down with an artist, kind of like we're doing right now. And, and just, just talk. We just talk, yeah. And uh, that's that's been a lot of fun. We just, just did some new ones and uh, going to do some new ones uh, next month. Keith. And they just run it various times. Right, right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Keep going. Oh, that's, a, that's all right. <laughs> I, I'm on a roll here. <laughs> no. And, of course, then every day, uh, or Monday through Friday, I do a show on the WMOT, the college station at MTSU, which I think you can pick up up there. Yes, I, I think so. Now, what type of show is it? Are you interviewing folks? Are you playing music? What all happens on your show? Most of the time, we're just playing music. Uh, I, I do have guests in from time to time, and uh, that's at 89.5. Uh, and uh, is the college station, and, and I'm really enjoying that. I've never been involved in public radio before, and it's it's kind of like a whole new ball game, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just different rules, and and uh, we get to play a lot of music with very little uh, commercial interruption, and I get to play my heroes, you know, sure. Guy Clark, Earl Scruggs, Woo! John Hartford. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable. Uh, I guess just get to play all that good stuff and uh, and a lot of the Americana artists, which I've come to appreciate their Music City roots. Definitely. Now, Keith, is retirement in your future, or are you like me, just having way too much fun to quit? Quit what? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. I hear you. I, you know, Philip, I, I don't think we ever, ever. You know, once you get into this, it's 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 hard to get out, and and you yes. miss it. I went for a period of time there when 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 I left WSM that uh, I, I wasn't doing anything, and I find I get bored real quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you play golf? Uh, do you have a lot of hobbies, or is what you do your hobby? 
what I do is my hobby by and large, you know. I, I don't play golf. Uh, uh, don't smoke. Don't drink. I, mean, I, just, I, I have a pretty boring life outside the studio. <laughs> well, I think you've had a very fulfilled life, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Is there anything else about Keith Bilbrey that we don't know or that we might find interesting? Well, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people get a kick out of the story. Well, my dad, uh, he when, when I first started doing the weather on Channel 4, uh, I'll tell you how that came about. Bill Hall was going from mornings to evenings, and yes. they needed a morning weatherman on the Ralph Emery show. <laughs> and being, again, I'm just too young and dumb to be afraid, I apply for the job. Sure. I didn't know anything about I didn't know anything about doing the weather. <laughs> uh, Gary Beatty, who had done the weather in Huntsville, took me in the studio and showed me how to, you know, stand at a map and, and all that stuff. And uh, I did the audition and got through that just by more or less memorizing. And Elmer Alley called me in. He says, well, and you start a week from Monday? I said, sure, not a problem. I didn't have a coat and tie. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about the weather. <laughs> I went to the library, checked out every book I could find on the weather. Uh, I didn't know how to tie a tie. I, I had somebody, I mean, I practiced and practiced and practiced tying that tie and, and getting a tie. <laughs> you know? And uh, the morning came and I went in there and gave mine. And I'm standing there and I, I knew Ralph. I'd known Ralph for years, but I didn't know him that well, you know. Sure. And uh, I'm standing there thinking, I wonder if he knows my name. What if he calls me by the wrong name? <laughs> and, of course, Ralph got it right. Everything was cool. But I, I didn't know beans about the weather. You didn't go to meteorology school? Well, I took courses later on, but at that time, no. I just, you know. But, you know, you've probably been in that situation. Sometimes sure. you just you just forge on ahead. You just do it. You just do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dang the torpedoes. I got to do this. <laughs> now, if if you hadn't chose this path or this career, you have any idea what you might be doing today? Well, I had thought about getting into law. Okay. Uh, fellow I was named for, uh, Keith Crawford. Sure. With Ernie and Cookbook. I knew him. Uh, I called him Uncle Keith, as a matter of fact. Right. Uh, and he... Uh, I used to ride around with him and, and go to hear him try cases over in the neighboring counties, and I always thought that was pretty fascinating. And even went to a law day up at the University of Tennessee to kind of, and I don't know, when I, when the radio bug bit, it, it was pretty much over, you know. Mm-hmm. So I know I never really thought about doing anything else. I was so determined that that was going to happen, I, I really didn't have a plan B. What about 2017? Uh, do you have big plans for 2017 or just pretty much doing what you're doing now and just kind of leaving the yeah, schedule wide open? I'm open if anybody's got any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're planning on doing more more shows. Uh, we're going on our uh, cruise uh, in a couple of weeks, the Larry's Country Diner Family Reunion Cruise. Excellent. One of those a year, at least one. And we'll do a, a couple of weeks in Branson and... Uh, just continue to take reflections and do Music City Roots. Man. Who knows what else will come along. Why in the world would you want to slow down or quit now? Having way too I, much I'm fun. I'm telling you. <laughs> and TV has gotten easier all along because we used to do everything live. 
and now you tape it, you know? Yeah, right. You, you do a bunch of shows in a row, and then you're done for a long time. And you can edit out the bad parts, you know? <laughs> yeah, and radio shows I can do from my house now. <laughs> can you believe it? I can sit at a desk in my pajamas and uh, do a radio show. I, I never thought I'd live to see the day. It's like back in the day, Keith, if you look, took a bathroom break, you had to put on a, a long song that's like six or seven yeah. minutes, you know? And you knew the records. You knew the records. It's I like got for El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles line eyes. There's uh, there's some, oh. yeah. <laughs> that was six and a half unless, minutes. Unless the record stuck. Yeah. <laughs> that happened See, a couple of times. In trouble. Yeah. yeah. It happened. Keith, it's it always happened. good talking to you. Radio, television, personality, Keith Bilbrey. I appreciate your time, buddy. Well, I appreciate you always, Philip, and I, I'm I'm one of your fans. I, I appreciate what you do up there, and you just continue to do an excellent job. And radio's in good hands as long as you're you're there. Oh, Keith, I really appreciate that. This has been behind the curtain of country music with Philip Gibbons. Each podcast will feature Philip interviewing industry giants. Listen again next week for more inside information.